Three, two, one. Welcome back to our next edition of the CBB Review Studio Podcast. I am Dan Siegel, joined as always by my co-host Ben Anderson, and we are continuing our CBB rank countdown from 100 to 1, where we will be ranking every single top 100 team with our college basketball review site, like I said, from 100 days counting down to the start of the season. And today we are going to re- or preview teams 80 through 76. So let's get started with number 80, and that is the Utah Utes, a program that has been – that has had some good years not too long ago, actually, but they've been lower half of the Pac-12 for a while. For what it's worth, we project them 10th in the Pac-12 this year, whatever that conference is and it's going to become, if that's even going to be a thing. But credit where credit's due. Craig Smith jumped from 11 and 20 in his first year to 17 and 15 in year two. What are we thinking for year three for Craig Smith? So I do think that with the record of 17 and 15, I think actually Cal or Utah, excuse me, was a little bit better than that record indicated. They had that win over Arizona. I think that they had some high highs, but also some low lows. This was the branding, the Brandon Carlson show last season. He was fantastic in the post as a seven foot center, averaging, as you can see, 16 points, nearly eight rebounds a game. Um, and I just really like his game. He's, he's versatile. He has a lot going for him. He has a high block rate as well. Uh, but the question is, what will Smith and the rest of the youth do to surround him, right? We have Gabe Matson, We have Raleigh Worcester, um, who were two really solid players coming back. But I do worry a little bit about the depth of the supporting cast here in Utah and Salt Lake City. Hmm. I, I don't know if I worry about the depth as much. I think that Smith was able to utilize the transfer portal. I think Madsen, as a 6'6 combo guard that could also shoot the rock and – 11.6 points per game or so last year that that's going to be critical. I think that some of the transfers they brought in from other power five schools, including Cole Bajema from Washington, uh, Lawson Lovering from Colorado. So both of those in-conference transfers. And then we know him well, Davion Smith from Georgia tech, not guys that lit the world on fire, but they have meaningful minutes under their belt at, power conference programs, two of them in this own conference. So I think that's critical. I think, though, the biggest strength for this team is size, and that's going to translate on the defensive end. I'm not a fan of their offense just from a schematic standpoint because, look, they're not good with spacing. They were very inefficient from three last year, and here's a stat I want to throw out. According to shot quality, they were – 345th nationally last year in open threes rate. So when I say that they don't shoot the three ball well, that doesn't paint the whole picture. It's not that they're not great shooters necessarily. It's that they're not getting their open shots. Just 15% of their three-point shots were open. Like I said, that's 345th nationally. Yeah, I think that – and that, and that's, that's sort of where I was going with the supporting cast. I'm not looking at this roster and being like, oh, my goodness, I'm so excited. They finally added shooting around Carlson – gave them a little more space to operate in the post. Um, But I do think that Utah can be higher than 10th in the Pac-12. I I just think that's a little low for a a roster that has potential to be like a middling Pac-12 team. I don't think they're going to be higher than like fifth. 
I'd be shocked yeah. if they were higher in that top in that top tier of the conference. But I think tenth is very low for this for this style of Utah team. Fair enough. Yeah, I I, I would agree on the, the the ceiling not being too high. But let's move on to number seventy nine, and we've got the Colgate Raiders, who have built a little bit of a Patriot League dynasty. They've won their last four titles. You said it's having to make their NCAA tournament for the fourth consecutive season. That would actually be fifth because the season that they didn't make it was a COVID year. So but four consecutive times they have already made it in years that they have had an NCAA tournament. So fifth consecutive Patriot League title they are trying to win. The only nitpick I have on this Colgate Raiders program is that they were the 14 seed twice and the 15 seed the other two times. So they haven't won a game yet. That's the one thing that they could do. But I'm really excited for this Colgate team. They went 17 and one in conference play last year with their only loss being a one point loss to American. And they also had a double digit win at Syracuse in the non conference slate. And this year they're loading up on the non conference slate. Speaking of which, they're hosting Syracuse, they're hosting Yale. They're playing at Illinois. They're playing at Iona. Yeah, just some exciting games in the non-conference. I'm glad you mentioned that. And really, this was a fantastic team last year, um, even though they didn't weren't able to win a game in the NCAA tournament. That should say Keenan Records or Keegan Records, not Keenan Reynolds. That's a typo there. But he was solid, just a, a rock inside the paint for them. They do lose Tucker Richardson to graduation to. Uh, to professional opportunities, but they returned Braden Smith, who had a fantastic freshman season as a true freshman. He's a little bit of a small guard, but playing in the in a conference like the Patriot League, that's not necessarily the worst thing in the world. And then Ryan Moffitt, just an absolute sniper from out outside the arc, as you can see, over 45% from three. We went from talking about Utah, whose main struggle was the three-point line, to yeah. Colgate, who was number one in all of Division One in three-point shooting last year. I would expect that to continue. Um, and they do have size, which is something that's that's big in, in, in the Patriot League as well. 6'10", Keegan Records, and then 6'11", Jeff Woodward is coming back as well. So you have some options there. I think this is a really well-rounded team. Yeah, efficiency is definitely the name of the game with Colgate. I don't think we have emphasized enough records and his shooting percentage at 67.5%. From the field like that that's incredible yeah. and yeah i i have no doubt they're gonna run the patriot league run through the patriot league again however i am not as confident as maybe some other people that they'll do much more than run through the patriot league i think they might go one and three in the non-conference slate that of four big games that I mentioned in Syracuse, Yale, Illinois, and Iona, maybe two and two. But I I think this is another team that's like a 14-15 seed in March, loses in the first round. Here's the reason. The rotation is kind of thin. I think a breakout season from Kyle Carles- Carlesimo, he's the Eastern Illinois transfer, that would be critical. But I think that might catch up to them against the – higher caliber opponents and teams that can match records in size. He's going to dominate the Patriot league with his size at 6'10, 250, but against Illinois, not as much. Yeah. I mean, as a rebuttal to this, um, to that statement, this is Colgate <laughs> and yeah. winning the Patriot league should be more than enough, especially five years in a row. So I, if, even if they just make the tournament 15 seed, 
lose by 15 in the first round to whatever two seed they play. I still think that's considered a great success, and they're very lucky to have Matt Langle here still. Yeah, okay, okay, that's fair. Yeah, all right, let's move on to number 78. We have the Cal Golden Bears. Very interesting that they are here and as high as they are because they were pretty awful last season. Actually, they, they were not pretty awful. They were very awful last season. I mean, we're talking 3-29 and 29 as their final record. Last season was their – was in just another long line of losing seasons. They have not actually had a winning season since the 2016 to 17 season. However, this is not a historically bad program by any means. And Mark Madsen comes in with a completely revamped roster. Ben talks to me about it. Yeah, absolutely. Just very interesting transfers. I mean, he did so well to make this, year one roster from a team that won three games. Like we don't talk enough about how truly awful Cal was last year. Um, but to make that into what we see today, I think is a really impressive job by Madsen. I really like to focus on the the transfers right here because Devin Askew is the one guy that you're excited for coming back. He really broke out, finally found his finally found his spot, you could say, after stints at Kentucky at Tech and Texas. But I think he's gonna do well for himself at Cal for a second year here. But Big, t- big two right here are Faraz Amak and Jalen Cohn. Amak um, had a bit of an up and down, strange strange year at Texas Tech, you could say. Um, but he was a he was dominant at Utah Valley when he was still under Mark Madison. That's where Madison came from. And then Jalen Cohn uh, is another transfer down from a high major program. He started his career at Virginia Tech before moving over to Northern Arizona and just torching the entire league there, um, 40% from three. So this is exciting for, for the Golden Bears, I think, because they have a, a backcourt duo in Askew and Cone that, that can really do a lot of damage in the AMAC. And then we have like a player like Jalen Tyson yeah. at, um, at the wing position. Another two-time transfer, but he really has shown a lot of potential lately. And I think that he'll do a lot of good for, for those in Berkeley. I'm, I'm actually really interested, yes, obviously in the transfers and how it all pieces together. And that will be kind of the, the measure of how well this team does this year. But I'm interested actually in Devin Askew because he averaged 15.5 points per game last year. But that's it's a very interesting 15.5 because somebody had to take all the shots for Cal. They only won three games last year. So is it a true 15 and a half? I, I want to say because now there's a lot more people to be taking the shots. And I think he might turn into more of like a playmaking point guard, somebody that could dish the rock. And I think his – Point numbers might go down to like 10 to 12 range, maybe. I think the assist numbers will skyrocket, though. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because I don't necessarily think Devin Askew needs to replicate 15 and a half points a game for Cal to be a good team or at least a lot better than they were last year, right? Because if you have all of a sudden all those offensive pieces around you that are able to create themselves or Askew creates for them, like you said, Cal may be the most interesting team we've talked about in the entire top 100 so far, I think. I, I agree. I personally, I don't see them as a tournament team yet. I mean, we're, we as a site would agree with that. They're 78, that it's not close to an at-large bid. But I wouldn't be surprised to see them get off to a hot start, maybe some excitement around the program. I also wouldn't be surprised. You know, we're talking about the Pac-12, which right now in its, in its existence with the team that it has, has some good teams at the top, but this is like a, a high a high ceiling team. Like, what if they make a run in the Pac-12 tournament? I wouldn't be surprised. But what, what are your thoughts on 
the postseason outlook of Cal at, at this point in, in August? I just think you have to wait and see with this team. There's just so many new pieces that you're not sure how it all fit together. And when you combine that with a first-year coach, it's not like we're talking about Eric Musselman's Arkansas teams where you sort of just take for granted that he'll figure it out. This is Mark Madsen, his first year in the program as well. So I'd like to see, you know, we can talk about it maybe. Let's talk about it at Christmas and see, and see okay. how you do it. Yeah. It's also even like in the medium term future of like projecting like how Cal does under Madison. It's so hard to like actually project that because what conference are they going to be in in three years? Right. If it's still the Pac-12, who else is in the Pac-12? Very is different. It the ACC. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like oh yeah, I I actually we, that, that's that's another news news piece because I I saw that. I mean I don't know what's going on, but the ACC supposedly is now interested in them again. Yeah, no, but yeah, that that's that's the Cal Golden Bears. So let's move on to number seventy-seven, Nevada Wolfpack. Nevada had a nice bounce back year last season in twenty twenty-two to twenty twenty-three. They made it to the first four as an at-large, and then they lost to Arizona State. I think with this team, there's there's knowns and then there's unknowns. The knowns is the backcourt. They got Keenan Blackshear, Jared Lucas. Those. I think both of them are potential all Mountain West players. They're very savvy ball handlers. They don't turn the ball over a lot. They know how to get to the foul line. They slow the game down. That's where the team's success is going to come from. And the unknowns are the front court. And Ben, we talked about this last episode. The biggest storyline is Will Baker off to LSU. Yeah, absolutely. I do think that if, if Baker had stayed in Reno, that this is pretty clearly a top 50 team. Um, because just what they returned after being a first four team last year uh, and just having that all, all those pieces back together, I think they would have been really successful in the Mountain West. But now, you know, there's a little bit more questions. Keenan Blackshear is a really interesting player. He's 6'6", but runs the point for um, runs the point for the Wolfpack. A little bit turnover prone, but really an exciting player overall. I um, mean, it's a nice pairing with Jared Lucas, who uh, can shoot the ball. He's a transfer from Oregon State now in his second year. Both of those guys are super old, um, so they have a lot of experience within the D1 ranks. So I really, like you said, like the the backcourt here and think they're in good hands. Jerai Coleman is an interesting an interesting player. A JUCO prospect from Clarendon is his first year in the program, so he's a junior right now. Um, he has potential, right? Average nine, eight, nearly four blocks a game during that time. And obviously, Mountain West play is different from, from the junior college ranks, but if he hits like some some Juco players do, I think that there's a lot of potential for him to be um, a good piece, sort of an X factor for for the Wolfpack. What do you think, Dan? Yeah, that, that, was, that was the guy I actually circled as well. He, he has the potential to really be like a defensive stud. I, I don't know if his offensive game will translate. He might just be like a, you know, six point per game and a high rebounds guy at the Mountain West level, but he – could be a really good rim protector, which would be great for Nevada in a league like the Mountain West, for sure. We project the Wolfpack fourth in the Mountain West, and I think that's probably not a tournament team, in my opinion. I mean, the Mountain West did get four teams last year, but I think that's not what's to be expected this year or just in any given year, even though it's a really strong mid-major conference. What do you think? Yeah, I – Again, too many question marks at this point. I would lean towards the side of they're not going to make the tournament just because we don't know what that front court looks like. But if if Coleman turns into a version yeah. of maybe a poor man's Derek Lively from last year, um, where he actually plays all 
all of the games. Um, mm -hmm. I feel like that that would be a success for for Nevada, um, and then they can just let the guards cook. All right, the final team we're going to talk about today, number seventy six, one of our favorite teams, Ben, the Furman Paladins. Why did I say they're our favorite team? Well, because us as UVA people, they beat us in the first round of the NCAA tournament last year. Of course, there's the infamous Kihei Clark just chucking the ball randomly down the court and then the ball ending up in the hands of J.P. Pagui, who made a dagger of a three-pointer to defeat UVA. Well, they returned J.P. Pagui. He was a 12-point-per-game scorer. And despite the fact that they do not return their big two in Mike Bothwell and Jalen Slauson, Piggy could take a big step up. And this is not a team that's riddled with double-digit scores, but there are some breakout candidates for sure. They are consistent as a program. Ben, what do you think? Yeah, first of all, congratulations to to Bob Ritchie and, and Furman for finally breaking the streak last year. Hadn't made a tournament since 1980. Um, and with the amount of coaches that have come through that that town with like for uh, Richie and Nico Medved, among others. Right. There's a lot of talent. It's surprising that that the streak has lasted so long. Unfortunately, it happened to us. So, you know, <laughs> I can only be so so congratulatory. But I think that I would really like to see someone step up. Um, it could be Piggy. It could be Marcus Foster. I don't think it's going to be Garrett Heen, but I, I could be proven wrong. Um, but I'm just not seeing that number one option like they've had in Mike Bothwell or Jalen Slauson, right? They had they really had two guys that could go off on any given night. Um, I think they'll really be solid. They're going to have a super high floor given the amount that they return. But I just don't know if they have that that NCAA tournament gear where they can mm -hmm. they have a guy that can take them through the SoCon tournament and and see what that looks like. One option maybe could be uh, PJ Smith who is a D2 transfer from Lee University. You know, he put up salt, he put up really good numbers there, so nearly 16 points a game. But again, you never know how D2 talent is going to transfer to the D1 level. But I would really love to see one guy break out. And it could be Piggy, uh, but I'm, I'm just not sure yet. I like Piggy. Um, you mentioned a bunch of people. I think the sophomore, <clears throat> Bennett, or Ben Vanderwall at um, Power Forward, He's another guy that could break out. He had a real solid freshman season. Had a few games where he really showcased himself. So that's one. But just under Ricky, under is it Richie or Ricky? I think it's Richie. I think okay. so. Under Richie, I'll edit that out. Under Richie, they have won 23, 25, 25. We'll skip the COVID year. 22 and 28 games in his tenure. So I think it's safe to say they do have things under control. There is a reason we have them 76. I, I, I see the Paladines as definite SoCon favorites, at least in the regular season. But this conference is also no slouch. I mean, you have UNC Greensboro. I've seen a lot of mid-major reporters talking them up a lot. Samford is another team that is liked by the analytics. So there's going to be some competition atop the SoCon. But – I could see them totally making the tournament again by winning the SoCon. And I would honestly, like like the site has, I would have them as my favorite team in, in the Southern Conference. Yeah, I think I would as well. And even for a team that's definitely not as good at this point as last year's team, I think we can both agree to that. Um, 
there is no top dog in the SoCon this year, as there have been in years past, where it's just like a clear top 60, top 80 type team. Um, there, there are like five different teams that could potentially make that run, but nothing, no one's truly standing out yet. And I think that bodes well for Furman, especially with with players that have now experience in the tournament, experience in the SoCon tournament. And I think that will will bode well for them. All right. Well, that will do it for today's edition of the CBB Review Studio Podcast. We are continuing our countdown. We'll go 75 to 71 in five days. So appreciate you guys listening. Once again, I'm going to say it. Please subscribe to our channel if you have not already. If you have found us on Apple Podcasts, if you have found us on Spotify, if you have found us on YouTube, we would appreciate that a lot. Thank you so much for watching and listening and take care.